welcome, welcome, welcome to another, probably going to be my favorite episode ever of Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we talk about everything from famous, you know, pop culture to TV shows to upcoming movies. And today, we're talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. But before I get into that, and before I even introduce my co-host, who if you're listening to this, you should know them by now, but I'm still going to introduce her because I love her. Um, you are here because you are willingly listening to the spoilers that are to come. So if you are here to find everything out before you see the movie, I'm begging you to shut this off. Do not listen to this if you have not seen the movie. With that being said, with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lindsay. Agreeing emphatically with everything that Scott just said. And because he was here with the primer and we have, oh, we have a debt to settle, Matt, uh, is my very good friend, Matt, uh, who was here with us on the Spider-Man primer. He has uh, graciously blessed us with his presence once again to go over everything that we loved about this movie. Maybe a couple things that we would have done differently and just basically gush over two and a half hours of amazing Marvel amazingness. Matt, thank you for being here. Oh, this is going to be a spectacular episode. An amazing episode. You're an amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> it's going to be possibly the most ultimate episode. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely have I ever been so excited to talk about anything, honestly. Like this, I mean, Wheel of Time... Yes, and this. Like I'm I might be more excited to talk about this. Yeah. I don't I don't know about that. Uh, I think I think with the trailer that you showed me for Wheel of Time earlier, I think I think Wheel of Time is gonna be fucking hype. Actually, good call. Yeah. But this is up here. Don't get me wrong. Like this is some serious shit right now. This is some lucrative shit right now. Oh yeah. Can we go over this real quick? I don't know. Please. I didn't get a chance to go over this with you, Matt, but listen to this shit. Take it, take it away, Lindsay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm like, would you like me to do that? I'm sipping my wine. <laughs> no, so this it's the second highest opening day ever next to Endgame. And so they beat out Infinity War for opening day. And at least domestic and worldwide, they got $587 million for opening weekend. Endgame at $1.223 billion. So about half of Endgame, but with the pandemic. With a pandemic. Yeah, dude. Highest grossing movie of the year, highest grossing movie of the pandemic. They're gonna make so much fucking money. I'm gonna go see it again. But let's let's start off by talking about some of the sort of world buildy stuff happening around the main plot of this movie, just to kind of get it out of the way. Cause there was a lot of hype in this. I had I had some big reactions in my theater to some of this oh, yeah. stuff. Now, Matt, because you saw it on Thursday, and I don't know if I went over this with you guys or not, but Matt saw it Thursday. Matt had to keep his mouth shut for two days. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> and uh, and then Lindsay and I saw it on Saturday. Matt, when you were in the theater, was and and there were moments in my theater too because clearly there were people there who hadn't seen it yet. Um, and I know a lot of them. I know I remember a lot of those moments. But I'm gonna start with part of the one. This does kind of set up the world building. Um, was your whole theater cheering? When they saw Matt. And to be clear for listeners, Matt Murdock, who was Daredevil's cameo as as Peter Parker's lawyer. He's a really good lawyer. 
let me paint you a word picture. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so I went to see it at an Angelica uh, theater. I sat down on my chair next to some stranger because I pre-selected the seat. Um, so he didn't, he hadn't heard of Uncharted. He didn't know who Morbius was and he didn't know Jared Leto can act. Are you asking him this stuff? Or are you just going off his... No, he literally, because he was very vocal to the person next to him. He's like, he was. oh, I didn't know Jared Leto could act. I was like, oh, wow. God. And then he was like, what the fuck is Morbius? I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to punch you right in your dumb face. And then he goes like, and after the Uncharted trailer, he goes, what the fuck was that? Like, oh, my God, just kill me now. But he was quiet the whole movie. I was like, thank Good. the maker. So... <laughs> he I'm glad someone caught that. So he mm-hmm. um when the walking cane was present, I immediately gasped and sat up straight and pointed at the theater screen, not giving a damn who saw me. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he and he to my just complete utter happiness gasped and he started hitting the person next to him and goes, "Do you know who that is?" And and then obviously it, it does the hell yeah moment where everyone gasped mm. and it was char it was it was Charlie Cox, aka Mr. Matt Murdoch, sitting there telling what a great lawyer he is. Catching a brick through the goddamn window. Right? Like a fucking G. And he goes, That's the guy who plays Daredevil. I'm like, okay. We're gonna be fine. And so the rest of the movie is exactly the type of theater I wanted. Everyone gasped at the right time. No one had their fucking cell phones playing. Everyone was attentive and respectful. It was a, a masterpiece. And everyone gasped at the right times. Everyone cried at the last right times. And everyone laughed at the right time. So it was, it was a good experience. I was so fortunate for that. I wished I'd had a louder theater. I had big gasps for um, Matt Murdock, and we had cheers at the right times and stuff but it wasn't like like my end game theater for instance mm-hmm. but you know it was i saw end game you know that night like i i because seeing this on saturday it's like the people who are really loud in the theater go on thursdays so i'm stoked yeah. that that was your experience matt i yeah the uh the daredevil stuff was cool i have not watched any of the netflix marvel shows and um now maybe i will or at least like some youtube videos about them you only need to watch Daredevil. That's all I'm going to say. I've heard that. I, I understood um, what was going on, though. You know, I have enough knowledge to know that that's Daredevil. So I'm like, all right, cool. That was sick. I like that that little cameo. The brick catch was obviously awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely looking at Miles Morales at this point, right? All right. So here's the thing. This is my whole thing about this as far as like world building goes. They have been dropping too many comments and hints and background stuff for them not to be setting up Miles at some point. I mean, we've heard Miles' name. Yeah. The whole thing about how he, uh, Electro was hoping that there was a black Spider-Man. But, and now that the Kingpin is showing up in Hawkeye, which I'll talk about in a minute, it's so easy for Childish Gambino, that guy that looks like Donald Glover, to, <laughs> um, uh, to just come back as Prowler and have been hired by Kingpin. Yeah. I mean, and he, he's been Prowler. We have Kingpin mm-hmm. now in um, spoilers for Hawkeye, right? So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't see why. I I really liked that line from Electro too. Like I thought you were gonna be black, and which we'll talk about that um, when we get into Electro. But yeah, I could totally see that happening, and I think they could find an interesting way of working around the fact that we've seen Miles' origin already in Spider Verse. I think we can find a way around that to either skip it like we did Peter, or I don't know but I trust them to be able to figure it out. I don't think it's going to stop them from doing an interesting miles story. I agree. I, I think that they'll find a way to still mention like, Hey, he got bit by, you know, another here's, here's the thing that um, this movie actually creates a bit of an issue about Norman confirms in the MCU that there is no Oscorp. Oscorp does not exist in the MCU. Yeah, you're right. So where did the mm-hmm. spider that bit Peter come from? Well, wherever they want it to have come from, right? They don't have to answer that right now. It doesn't matter. There's a lot that it could come from. I mean, it could come from Fisk. It could come from uh, Hammer Industries. It could come from Stark Industries. It could be something that Fantastic Four have cooked up that we have yet to see. I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, there's there's a lot of room to kind of elaborate and explore that. What I could see them doing that would be cool as a way to make this happen is just have like Miles like being bit by a spider in like a post credit scene. And like mm-hmm. that's it. Like and yeah. that's and we don't need to see anything else. Just see this kid get bit by a spider and then when Miles Morales shows up, everyone will it's just fine. I agree. I think that would be a good way of introducing See, okay, so here's the other thing. There, there's a lot of cameos, if that are and like Easter eggs that are around. If you know what to listen for, or like if you're paying close enough attention and you know like where to look, I'll talk about them a little bit more in a minute. But one of them comes from Hawkeye, and there are a lot of like draws from this movie to Hawkeye because number one, they're both taking place in New York at the exact same time, because. In the beginning of the of No Way Home, th- when they're swinging through downtown, he passes a whole bunch of Rogers the Musical posters, and that's the show that they were seeing in the first episode of Hawkeye. And then he flies oh, at the end of the movie. He flies over Rockefeller Center, where Clint had taken his kids. I wouldn't be surprised if we could see Spider Man in the background of a shot from the Hawkeye finale. Yeah, but. Yeah, do you, we want to go through all the Easter eggs up top, or do we want to dive into... I think we can save those for the end. Yeah, let's go into the meat of this. Yeah, so... I mean, the the biggest things really to say up front about this movie, like, other than the fact that we fucking loved it, is mm. Aunt May's dead, and all three Spider-Men are here. Yeah. For the movie, and... That was the one death I did not see coming. I did. I never even considered that. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> this is a shout out for you for Quicksilver. Fuck no. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. That's we're gonna. Don't yeah, you worry. She has hard feelings about Quicksilver. Not okay. We will talk about that later. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing about this whole decision to kill Aunt May, which in in the entire scene has tons of Easter eggs too. And like little callbacks. She's struck in the same way that Norman was struck by his glider, but just from the back. Mm-hmm. 
the fact that she refused to leave when Peter was like trying to get her to get out of there. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving you. Like, or she's like, no, we're going to like, we can help him. There were parts of that where I was like, you have to acknowledge that this guy is not stable. Like you can't, he, he just fought. First of all, the best fight scene in the whole fucking movie was goblin beating the shit out of Peter across this building. Oh my God, dude, the audio alone of him slamming through floors and like just getting his ass kicked was so awesome. I genuinely thought that this is when some of the other Spider-Men were going to show up because mm-hmm. I was like, this is such a low moment for Peter. I was like, I don't yeah. see how he gets Aunt May out of this alive. Surely this is where the other Spider-Men are coming. And, and they did not. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this whole thing is like, first of all, I cried through this whole movie for the record. I assume yeah. we all cried through the whole movie. I only cried twice. Um, according to my wife, I am apparently dead inside because I did not cry. But I also have never cried through any other Marvel movies, so uh, I should have cried. You didn't even cry at Tony's funeral? Nope. Wow. I'm, like I mean, According to Alyssa, I'm dead inside, so it is what it is. <laughs> well, I cried like a baby through this movie, and it was just... God, Tom Holland is like so good. And... Yeah. The with great power comes great responsibility. This was like mastery on a new level for the MCU. Like how they brought this in. The fact that this is not his first movie. Yeah. To have this happen like to a Peter who's had, you know, two and a half movies of his own plus Endgame and Infinity War. And Civil War. And Civil War. Thank you. Yeah. And have all this all this history behind him before he has this moment where he has to like really learn what it means to be a hero and like truly become Spider-Man. We have this many movies just to get him here. It was so earned and it, it really fit in this movie because we've seen so much now in his last two movies and in this one, how much he tries to shirk his responsibility. He does, right? He's like, I just want to be a normal kid. This is not my problem. I'm not involved. You take the glasses Mysterio. Like it, it really, he earned that lesson more than anybody else or any other Spider-Man, you know, to get that advice. I agree. I, I feel like him coming to this crossroads, watching the daily bugle report in the rain. Oh my God. Was first of all, that's an amazing scene. And that just looked awesome. I was bawling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was about where I was like, dude, this is probably the most beaten he's ever been. I mean, this is his true origin story. Yeah. That's what was so cool about this and how it was so well written of like we thought that we just didn't get Spider-Man's origin story, that we just got to skip it. We talked about that in the primer of skipping Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And this moment where we have with all three Spider-Men later, what that's very Spider-Verse, right? Where they're saying, yeah. um, for me it was my Uncle Ben, and for me it was Gwen Stacy. It's not just like they all lost their Uncle Ben. All three of them lost Uncle Ben. But their big loss, the thing that's their true origin story that really makes them a hero is like losing, losing someone who it was, it was really kind of their fault that it happened. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part about it was there was, there was nothing in all three of these deaths that didn't directly come from something that Spider-Man did. 
I think that's a huge deal to drop on Peter or Tom Holland's Peter this late in the game. Cause like you said, like he's had all these other movies to, to drop the responsibility of doing, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And for him to finally realize, like, I'm the one that has to step up and like fix these problems. It was, I think that was, it was very well earned. Yeah, it was. And, and like we said, like, like we didn't want them to say this line when homecoming came out, everyone was like, thank God they didn't say the great Mm -hmm. power, great responsibility. And not only did they use the original comic book quote to say with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Mm -hmm. It just, everybody loved it. It was perfect. I was like, say it, say it, say it. Like I was saying that out loud in the theater. (laughs) Um, Quietly ish, but bullshit. Yeah. You were like me and you were like on your feet, like, let's go. That's Pretty what much. I was doing. Pretty 100%. Much. I want you to know I did genuinely almost break my wrist like three times clapping throughout this movie. And I know it went and we'll talk about it. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this was the real, I mean, this is what this movie was about. This is Spider-Man's true origin story where Peter really is going to take responsibility for his role as Spider-Man He's not trying to balance his life as a regular kid anymore. That's not going to be his story. The fact that he's now totally on his own. No team, no tech, no school, no other responsibilities. Uh, Ostensibly, he's going to need to get a job at the Bugle, right? Yeah. Really just like, you know, getting his GED and just mm, being kind of like a Toby Spider-Man, like really alone now. This is his true origin story as Spider-Man. Well, something that I really loved about this, and I know that you're a huge stickler for this too, is um, the whole, I can't be with you. I have to not be with you to protect you. Like hero trope. It didn't really happen that way in this movie. It was more, she's happy where she is. She's getting everything that she deserved and like was supposed to have without his involvement. And then seeing the Band-Aid was like the final nail in that decision. He was like, I can't do this right now. And here's the thing. And you kind of just touched on it, but now Peter's on his own. There is actually no reason that Ned and Zendaya need to come back in any future movies. There's there's no reason for them to show up again. And they could go a number of different ways with that. They have an open door, which is probably really nice for someone like Zendaya, who's obscenely famous right now. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, options are probably a good thing. So it could go either way. But yeah, I mean, I don't see why we can't now have a new love interest for Peter, a whole different game. Like we can go a completely different direction and start over with Peter, which is because he's not Peter anymore. Peter doesn't exist. He's Spider-Man. And that's fucking cool like i the fact that they got us here it's like thank christ they have another three movies because now it's like we just we have just started and it's it's so good and the only thing like i you're right i do hate this trope right and i was mildly frustrated to see it again but ultimately i thought like seeing the band-aid like i thought it made sense i'm okay with it but i do have to say MJ's lack of agency here is frustrating. Um, yeah. Because she doesn't, like, the last thing that MJ told Peter that she wanted was to be told. And yeah. Ned, too. And so 
they're losing their agency in that. And that sucks. Like with both of them, not just Zendaya, but that's my only complaint about it. I, but I, but for all of the other reasons, like storytelling wise, I don't want him to tell them. I want this to move on to the next thing, but I did notice that. Well, let's look at it this way. Um, at the beginning of the movie, this is um, MJ tells Peter, um, next time there is a big decision that needs to be made, why don't you let us know? And then we'll we'll discuss it as a team. This kind of just ties back to actually Peter as a at this version of Peter that we know. It actually kind of ties back to his need to make the decision for everyone because he thinks he knows what's better. And him once again not considering their feelings. Because in a way he is, but isn't considering their feelings because he he's his consideration is I want them to be free and I want them to be happy and I don't want them to be stressed out and be FOS and be all this and be all a friend of Spider-Man. And um right. and he's again playing into that hand again, like, well, this is gonna be better for everyone when he they're once again being excluded from the decision making. So I mean, in a way, it makes total sense that Peter is gonna go ahead and do his own thing. And rent is due on the first, Peter. Yeah, Peter needs to start taking some pictures. Well, mm-hmm. and here's the other thing, and I, they we really only get it in the beginning of the movie because it sets up the bridge fight, but we're never going to see Flash again either. And to be totally honest, I'm totally fine with that. This was not the comic book Flash. This was not the future Agent Venom Flash. This was just yeah, a com- comic relief. And while it was hilarious yeah. in Homecoming, and he is like pretending to be a DJ, and then like him getting like joked around on in, in uh no way home or far from home was was funny in this it just like it was awkward him coming into the diner and talking about how he got into mit and then i was just like that's cringe like this is weird and he wrote a book what the fuck yeah that was pretty bad but at the end of there, so at the end of Far From Home, they were kind of starting to build up his character because yeah. he's getting picked up from the driver, and he says, "Mother could make it," and he says, and the driver just shakes his head and he looks super depressed. Yeah, I actually thought they were going to go a way different direction with Flash in this movie. I thought they were going to build his character up to be more prominent, but then yeah. he ended up just being the douchebag again. So I was like, that was kind of disappointing. That I felt was like character murder. There was a lot happening in this movie, and yeah, uh, I don't think we could have done it. I forgive them for not really doing anything with Flash. I mean, he was in it as much as he was in any of the other ones. I kind of yeah, yeah. He's kind of in it a lot throughout Far From Home. He's really only the last time we see him is when he tells Peter where the admissions woman is. I guess that's true. Well, they had. But I'm like, I'm not sorry. There's no reason to show him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not, I'm not broken up about him not coming back. That's totally fine. But yeah, I one thing I did want to point out about like the end of this and Peter's arc here is we talked a lot in our primer episode about like how dope it is that this Peter Parker doesn't have to be a master tailor and like full circle no, Peter sewing. <laughs> <laughs> But it was so heartbreaking that he was sewing. You know, it was like all of these like tropey things from Spider-Man origin stories that mean so much more because we had so much. We fucking like four movies to build up to it, right? Here's what I don't get. Why did he need a new suit? I don't get that. Because like, was he just doing it as an homage to the other two Spider-Men that he met? It does have Andrew's spider on the back and Toby's on the front. So... 
My my theory is that it's a like she just said, Lindsay just said, it's it's an homage to the other Spider Man. Scott actually just said that. Whatever, Scott, I hate you. <laughs> it's an it's an homage to the other Spider Man that he fought by, but it's also a clean slate. So it's a new suit. It's not tech based. It's something he made on his own. It's yeah. a step for him to be like. This is like a rebirth for me. I am Spider-Man. I am going to, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So he's taking that yeah. on. Like, he's not using a suit that Tony Stark gave him. He's not going to be Iron Man. He's just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which I actually really like that. He's taking ownership of the mantle. I love that angle on it. I also mm. think, like, 100% that. And logistically, one of the really interesting things that we see through this movie is kind of the dismantling of Stark Industries. And I would think, I mean, we saw that the Iron Spider suit was offline like the whole time. And then the integrated suit, like a lot of it wasn't working, right? Facial recognition wasn't working. Like all of the Stark tech on it was was down. So the re and I th that actually took me a little bit to figure out. And I'm so sorry, I did not mean to cut you off right there. But no, go. Uh, after his investigation from the Department of Damage Control, um, he was locked out of Stark Tech. Stark Tech and like Stark Industries cut ties completely with him. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense why he couldn't call on Karen anymore. Why he couldn't um he couldn't use the spider legs. He was also missing part of the Edith. Or Edith. Yeah, he couldn't use Edith. Um. Yeah. All, he got cut off from that. And I, and I love it thematically of like, good. Like, I think I really enjoyed getting to see Peter, like, get off the ground with all of the assistance of the Stark tech. A lot of people complained about that. And now I, it's like I say, he's just had so much time to get established so well. And he's everyone's favorite Spider-Man anyway. And now it's believable to me that he could figure all this shit out himself. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a hold of the fabricator. I don't think it was a fabricator by mistake that had the arc reactor that Electro got. Like, oh, yeah. I, I could see him getting teched up again in the near future. He obviously can figure this shit out for himself. But, yeah, I think it's it, thematically it makes sense and logistically it makes sense. And it doesn't it doesn't not set up, like, what is it, Iron Wars and all this shit that's coming? Oh, Armor Wars. I I kind of hope they actually rebrand the Spider-Man titles. They call it the Spectacular Spider-Man. That would be sick. Uh, that for the, that for the next movie title, Spectacular Spider-Man, and have the new trilogy. Fuck yes! Oh, this movie was really good, you guys. Um, I was so hyped. So, speaking of like the next movies and stuff, the last thing that we had on this before we talk about Peter's one, two, and three is the kind of the role of the Avengers and also how much Peter's going to want to keep his identity a secret at this point. Like this backs up his reason to keep wearing the mask, which mm -hmm. the MCU heroes don't really do. Right. Oh, yeah, Cause everyone knows they are. Yeah. Yeah. This gives him a reason to keep doing that. Like in no fucking way do I think that Peter's going to be letting his identity out again. And this may, now he has a reason to be this outlier because otherwise in this universe, who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah, because and also historically, Spider Man is not A team Avengers. He's B team Avenger, so it makes right. sense. He's a he's a weekend warrior, so it makes sense that I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it now. I'm just gonna call him Spectacular Spider Man now. So it makes sense going forward as a Spectacular Spider Man that he, like you said, he's an outlier. He's more likely to take up 
sides with Daredevil <laughs> um, as opposed yep. to the Avengers. Or the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I think it totally makes sense. Give me the foundation suit, damn it. Yeah. With the future of the Avengers right now, though, um, I think it'll be really interesting to get this brand new dichotomy where Peter's like a rogue hero and the Avengers probably don't quite know what to do with that. They don't know who he is anymore, right? And will they remember having worked with him in Endgame? Will they be like, yeah, no. the mystery kid? Or None of them will. They'll just be like, hey, Spider-Man helped us fight, but they won't know who he is. But they'll remember talking to Spider-Man, right? They just uh -huh. don't know his identity. So it's not like they right. don't know him. Like, he could still go to Doctor Strange just, like, masked and be like, yo, it's Spider-Man, the guy you saved the world with, right? So at least there's that. But I feel like he could be really into operating outside of the Avengers at this point, not being totally certain well, about he... getting involved with that. He probably okay. wants to, and to be totally honest, I'm going to have to back, I hate this, but I'm going to have to back up Matt on uh, <laughs> the likelihood that Peter will start working with Murdoch and they'll have to take on the Kingpin. I think that's where we're going to go with this. Yeah, have them be their own little subset of vigilantes and not be working with the Avengers for a minute. It, you know, it makes sense that that would be Sony and Disney's deal. Def Defenders 2.0. Let's get a new Defenders with Spider-Man in it. God, please do it. Do it right. Do it right, please. Punisher, Daredevil, Spectacular Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man. I love that. I'm very excited. I definitely. Oh, fuck! Can we call the new suit the Spectacular Suit? Yes, it I'm, would absolutely. I'm on board for that. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because we now know that we don't really have to bring Zendaya back. I'm totally calling it right now. Um, that his new love interest will be Felicia Hardy, aka Black Cat. Yeah, because that's new. That hasn't been done in live action. I could see that as like a brand new direction. Well, and it's a movie they're working on at Sony. Right. That's right. I feel like that's how we're gonna do this. I mean, it makes sense. She was in the game. She Miles was in it as his own game. Yeah. The games are hugely popular, so it makes sense. They make. Um, there are moves that. Peter uses at the end of the movie that are straight from the game. That's a little like homage to the game. Yep. Tom's that was Tom's idea. Yeah. Tom wanted that. The game's so good though. It's like it deserves it. Is. It. It's so good. It's so god. I played a little bit of it today. I might play a little more tonight. I'm gonna probably watch Witcher tonight. I'm supposed to be doing that too, but instead it might be Spider-Man. But anyway, anything else <laughs> on kind of the overall arc of this movie and Peter's lessons and his what's going on going forward before we talk about our once and once in future once in current Spideys. Yeah. I think I'm good. I think I think that really kind of encapsulates this story of what we got from him. I just I'll say this, um I just think it's really great that they managed to teach Tom all the hard lessons that Toby and Andrew learned had to learn in one movie without it being so choppy overstuffed and over yeah over because honestly this movie felt like one of the most well-paced movies i have ever seen in my entire life like everything was perfect it was master class of filmmaking i think some i think what really contributes to that in it a way that we cannot understate is that he's had so many movies leading up to this that we don't have to do, you know, Peter and Spider-Man from moment one through all of these revelations in one or two movies. We've had years to build this up. 
to where he can finally go through this process. And we don't, we don't have to overstuff it. We can really take our time on these lessons. Yep. Yeah. It was definitely, Tom was right. It was the end game of Spider-Man movies. hundred percent. 100% was. I was as hyped for this as I was for end game. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. How many, so I'm, I'm curious, how many people did you guys see dressed up as Spider-Man at your theater? None. None oh, of that's, mine. That's sad. I, I there was know. one like 35 year old dude who was not in great shape, but not in bad shape was wearing sweats and a long sleeve Spider-Man shirt, but oh, yeah. somehow matched perfectly. The blues were perfectly matched with a mask. And I was like, you know what? Good Props, for you, bro. Good, for you. Good yeah. for you being that secure in yourself to go from as far as I could see by yourself to a Spider-Man mm. movie dressed like that. You know what? Good on you. Good on no. you for that confidence. <laughs> I saw, I saw, I think by the time I left, I saw like maybe four or five people dressed up in some sort of Spider-Man attire, but the vibe was right. I was very happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say same, like not dressed as Spider-Man necessarily, but there was like a whole group in my theater dressed with the same like Spider-Man shirts. And there was one Scarlet Witch in my theater, which I thought was dope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, you go, girl. Like, I see you. <laughs> get that, get that right. Lizzie Olsen in there. Here's the yeah. here's the thing that was like most prevalent. And I don't know. And this is just me like, you know, tooting my own horn for a minute. When whenever I go to movies like this, I go with people who don't they just enjoy them as movies. They don't know the whole story. So I always get questions about like, so what does that mean now that he's this or what's going to happen to that? And I have to answer. As we're walking out. And so there are people surrounding me that inevitably end up just listening to what I'm saying. And that's what happened as we were walking out of the movie theater. I was like, okay, so now we have, you know, two worlds. We have the multiverse, which is like, uh, you know, that's what Loki started. And that's where we're going to get Kang the Conqueror. But now we've also got the cosmic side of things with the Eternals and all that stuff. So we're going to get two major villains in these upcoming, you know, future Avengers movies. One is going to be Kang the Conqueror, who I think will be the ultimate big bad. And then we're going to get, I don't think we're going to get Galactus right off the bat. But as I'm no. saying this, people are like, oh, dude, that's such a good idea. Or, oh, I didn't think of that. And stuff like that. And I'm just like, do you guys just like, I'll take questions if you want. <laughs> dude, I went with people who hadn't even like, seen the other yeah. Tom Holland movies. Like, it was, uh, I was just like, dude, awful. I was like, Spider-Man <laughs> is like the best and he works with the Avengers and like Tobey Maguire's in this movie. Get stoked. And they were like, all right. And, and but you know what? My friend who went in having I mean, I went with a bunch of people who haven't seen even the more mm-hmm. recent movies, but my friend Sam was like, she was like, yeah, I shed a tear. Like that was really impactful. That was, and she hasn't seen oh, yeah. any of the Tom Holland movies. She doesn't know anything about the MCU. And she was like, yeah, that was like a really impactful film. That was great. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like that was, and, and she said she hadn't seen a Spider-Man movie since Tobey Maguire. Nope. So it really was a good movie. And, Speaking of Toby Maguire, that dude did not age well. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> it's not even that he didn't age well. I think him being a mature Spider-Man worked for him. It was perfect. It was fantastic. It's amazing even. You're amazing. I was so pissed that he didn't actually say you're an amazing Spider-Man. Me too. I was like I'm so blue-balled by that. 
<laughs> that shit cracked me up so hard. By the way, <clears throat> now that we're on the subject, Matthew, we will be having a viewing party for when you have to watch Bring It On. Yeah, I would like to request a watch party on Amazon Prime. Now, I'm I'm looking forward to your thoughts on on Kirsten Dunn's timeless performance. Oh, God. For anybody who didn't get to listen to our primer episode, Matt and I made a bet where the mysterious invisible figure that punches Lizard, I said, was Andrew Garfield. Matt said Yummy. it was Venom. Oh, yeah, and, and Lindsay said it too. Matt said it was Venom. And I said, all right, dude, I'll tell you what. If it is Venom, after I've shit my pants, I will drive the five hours to bring you Whataburger. But because we were just talking about how uh, Kirsten Dunst wasn't a great MJ and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but if thing. you <laughs> if if you're wrong, you have to watch Bring It On. And Matt was wrong. So, so I told, wrong. So wrong. I, I told my wife, Alyssa, I was like, hey, um, I made this bet with Scott and she goes, oh God, what did you do? And I said, no, no, it's fairly painful. It'll be more painful for me. But if, um, if I predicted this character was going to be doing this specific thing in the movie, which by, by in a million years is already a long shot. I know. The specific nature of what I'm saying Venom would be doing. I would have to watch Bring It On. And she looked at me and said, good. I was like, oh no. <laughs> so she's like, that's a, she was like, she was like, that's a timeless epic movie. I was like, oh God. I would never go. use the word epic. Correct. It's maybe not epic, but it's certainly timeless and good. Mm. So I look for, I will arrange our watch yeah. party. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, but I'm not even kidding. But we did get we got these guys and it was it was really, really great. And like I say, I expected them there when Aunt May died. I expected them to come in and save the day. And this is that is not what this movie is. Like it was it's just it's to be honest, the way they did it was really good. I like that we went from an insanely emotional moment to them having to worry and then them realizing what happened and then him being like, dude, I wish we could find Peter. And he somehow opens the portal immediately when it showed him in the alley, I was like, that isn't Tom Holland. No, I knew it was Andrew Garfield because of the eyes. Exactly. I was like, I saw those eyes. You can't hide those eyes from me. That was Andrew. My, my greatest fear was what, because I went into the movie expecting the, hoping for the best and expecting the worst when it came to, to Toby and Andrew. Right. When I saw him, I had a split horrible anxiety filled terror moment where I thought he was going to wave and the portal was going to close. Oh, I would have been so pissed. I would have been so fucking pissed. That is the second it happened. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I had a complete panic attack. I had a complete panic attack. Oh my God. Oh, he was great when he came through the portal, though. Like, you're right. It was a nice way. Like, I laughed at this movie as much as I cried. And I cried a lot. <laughs> Big time. It's just some guy. Yeah, it's just some guy. Hey, are you going to go into battle dressed like a cool youth pastor? Or... <laughs> <laughs> that, I laughed my ass off. And, Dude, uh... I... This whole movie was just solid gold. But that was... That was up there. And then the whole, like, do you have a best friend? I did. He died in my arms after he tried to kill me. 
And Ned's just like, what the fuck? It's just like, I will never try and kill you. <laughs> never try and kill you. And Peter's just like, yeah. Okay. okay. Fair, Holy shit. <laughs> like, no, duh. <laughs> I liked when Andrew came through and he was like having to climb on the ceiling. He's like, you want me to climb on the ceiling? Seriously? You want me to like, it was. This is not enough for you. I'm hanging from the ceiling right now. This isn't enough. <laughs> and his his low his Lola. Oh my God. Yes. So oh my God. I grew up at a school where predominantly it was Filipino kids. So I grew up with a lot of time spent around Filipino families. So in a weird way, although I'm not Filipino, I completely connected with that moment. Oh my God. It was yeah. just like like, oh, it's his Lola. <laughs> they, threw, they threw the Ponset bread. I was like, oh my God. This couldn't have been better. I connected with that scene on a very deep level, and I loved it. You have the Peter Tingle? Well, it doesn't activate when you throw bread at me. That was so <laughs> funny. I loved that they consistently called it the Tingle and never the Spidey Sense. I know some people don't like that. I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, here's the thing. The actual phrase Spider Sense is only said in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And it's when she's ex- it's when the scientist at Oscorp is telling them about the different spiders and she's like it gives them a forewarning ability kind of like a spider sense. But I thought my spidey sense is tingling is the thing that Spider-Man says in the comics. It is, but never in the movies. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, okay. That's why so, they all just call it the tingle. He's like, "Oh, dude, I got the tingle. I know how the tingle works." Okay? Trust your tingle. <laughs> come on peter tingle do your thing there were so many low-key but not even close to low-key sexual jokes in this movie too like it definitely sounded like he and zendaya were having sex in the bedroom when they first got there and they both are just like oh my god just use protection get out just is there it's are you okay okay i'm getting out put some pants on i don't like that's three for three on peter like naked walk-in scenes in these movies though in the home trilogy did you Guys, catch what shirt he was wearing, though, that he put on. I survived the snap. No, as I survived my trip to New York from that Tony got him when he took the suit away from him in Homecoming. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's awesome. Hell yeah. I was like, oh, it's the shirts. I was very uh, excited. But so, so back to Andrew to kind of close him out, and then we'll talk more about, like, Toby as a whole. The big moment for him, obviously, was rescuing Zendaya. Right, yep. catching MJ. And I mean, first of all, you know, I wasn't sure who was or wasn't dying in this, right? At this point, I was like pretty broken. Like I was like still in tears during yeah. the like when MJ falls. And when Peter <laughs> gets knocked out of the way by the the glider, I was very like I was not convinced she was gonna live. I knew Andrew was gonna go for her, but I didn't know what was gonna happen. And I love that he catches her with his whole body. And not like not the web, not the web, and uh, doesn't break her spine, and the fact that he's crying when they land, like oh my god! I think it was there were a lot of like full circle moments in this movie. Doc Ock got one. Andrew Garfield definitely got his. Um, and I think it's the fact that he knows he can still save people is why he was emotional. Because you have to remember too, right before this, when they first meet. Straight up, he talks about how he stopped pulling his punches, which is devastatingly terrifying for a Spider-Man to admit. He borderline could have been killing people. It's like Zack Snyder's Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man is is one of the st- physically strongest characters in the in Marvel comics. Well, we talked about this in the primer, right? About how he pulls his punches and that line was really impactful. Yeah. Um that is though when he caught when he caught MJ. That is however, although I may be dead inside, that is the moment that almost broke me. Where I almost started crying. Oh, um, I cried. Yeah. I cried when Andrew Garfield cried. What is wrong with you? You didn't cry with Andrew Garfield? I he doesn't actually that. possess tear ducts. No, no I Good don't. Lord. Uh, they were, the the Seriously. it's been replaced. It's been replaced by an awesome gland. Um, uh, but I cried yeah. with Andrew Garfield. <laughs> there, there was like for Toby. I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about this in the Toby section. But um, Toby got to be the the uncle scientist for for God damn it for Tom because he he basically he reinforced. What Aunt May was telling him is that, you know, we, we do good things because we, we can do good things. And he really pushed him to save him, just like Uncle Ben did. He was pushing to save Peter when Peter didn't realize that's what was going on. And ultimately, of course, that, that in my opinion, was, was uh, Toby's full circle moment where he got to, you know, pass that, that, that torch, so to speak, to, to Tom. And then obviously Andrews was the uh, the uh, MJ save, and then of course Tom's would be the I'll say it again the spectacular suit. So yeah, totally. I feel like Andrew had a fun sort of big brother thing, but that he also, in his own way, was being mentored by Toby. Like Toby mm-hmm. comes in. I think we can move on to him. And like we said, it, this works so much better than he did as an awkward teenager, like aged, oh, yeah. you know, old man. Old man Peter Parker worked yeah. really well. Yeah, less better Peter B. Parker. Mm-hmm. Right. It, well, less funny, but he was not supposed to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's. He was just a realist. Like he was, he had seen his shit. He had lived through the darkest things that they either had just experienced or were still experiencing. So he could be like, hey, I've played this game before. Chill out. He did a great job with it. And I think what really worked for them is the meta aspect, which is that the audience is going to defer to Toby as our mm-hmm. OG spider, Agreed. right? Mm-hmm. We all already give him that place. So it, it works really well when we see Andrew and obviously Tom, like everybody's giving him that seniority, but also like riffing on him for being like, you know, you're going to go into battle dressed as a youth pastor. Oh, like, I was like, honestly, I died. I was like, honestly, oh I was for, again, for a split moment. I was like, Oh God, what if he doesn't have the suit? Is he going to go into battle with the, <laughs> I genuinely thought he didn't have the suit. I was just picturing youth pastor, Spider-Man just, that would have been amazing. Winging across in just <laughs> his trench coat. And, or what I also thought was, can we get Bagman? Is he going to put a bag over his head? Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but obviously we got, we got perfect spider, perfect Sam Raimi Spider-Man. What Spider-Man. I really liked about Toby in this movie, that was different from Andrew because Andrew in very much in character, they like portal him in and he's just like, uh, what the fuck is going on? Do you guys <laughs> know? Yeah. Fuck. Right. He's just like, great. Somewhere to, yeah. Portal opens. Let me walk through it. He's like, you guys got magic. What's good. But Toby, Toby comes through the portal with intention and confidence of an aged fucking like mature spider. And he comes through and he's like, I'm looking for your friend. Cause I can tell that this world Spider-Man needs me. 
Yeah. Like that's immediately, that's what he's saying. And it was mm -hmm. really cool the way that they were able to close these arcs out for these guys and really, or follow up with them so much and show us where they, where they're really at. And Toby being in a good place felt really good. I always wanted brothers. Like, Oh yeah. I always wanted brothers. <laughs> Dude. Is it cool? Like, does it come out of your wrist too? Like if it's personal, I don't, we don't have to talk about it. Like, but it's no, it's not personal. And yes, it only comes out of my wrists. <laughs> that that was, was so funny. funny. That comes out of your body. Oh <laughs> do you just like naked? Do you ever just run out? Well, I mean, yeah, that's happened before. What? Like your wrists like got weak. No, it was like existential crisis kind of thing. <laughs> just like been there yeah <laughs> right like, <laughs> and when he's like he's like yeah he's like i run out of webs all the time i have to go back to my lab and make more it's a real hassle he's like yeah it does sound like a hassle <laughs> like when when andrew cracked toby's back he's like yeah i got a mid-back thing i don't come here and he like shows him like cross your arms <laughs> i think it's just from swinging like that so much it was referencing when he jumped off the building and he totally biffed it and just fell and just wrecked himself and he got up off the ground and he's just like, and he's like holding his lower back. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's what that's from. But that moment in the movie is a meta reference to Tobey Maguire hurting his back on the set of something else. I can't recall. Um, but he actually mm. had a back injury and they almost had to recast him. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I didn't that's know that. Awesome. But I, yeah, I could have listened to them joke all day. And the, one of the best moments for that that we've been quoting is this like super nerd scene. But let's let's talk about all of the Peter's intelligence. This is something we talked about a lot in the primer. Yep. And did they ever right some wrongs or what? Big time. Oh yeah. The fact that that Tobey Maguire's Peter single handedly created the re the reverse Goblin serum was enough for me to be like, yeah, okay, he is smart. He he is that intelligent guy. Same with Andrew Garfield. As soon as he comes through the portal, he's like dimensional fissures, uh, space-time continuum breaks, gateways, stuff like that. He knows what he's talking about. What I really liked is that Toby was like, oh, I've been giving it some thought. I, I know how to cure him. <laughs> just, like, yeah. just like that. But yeah, but I mean, yeah. Andrew always kind of came off as one of the smarter Spider-Men too. Which Agreed. Nice. Definitely. And then obviously Tom Holland, like him, we haven't talked much about Doctor Strange, but him using geometry to escape the mirror dimension and trap strange. So cool. Yeah. He's like, I'm good at geometry. I was like, you fucking nerd. Are you kidding me? And he, it was, that was great. That was an awesome, awesome moment for yeah, him. I love that. I love how frustrated he looked. He's like, I am, I should be sorcerer Supreme. I just got beat by a 17 year old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so call good. me, call me Steven. Okay. Uh, Steven. That feels okay. weird, but I'll allow it. <laughs> I was I was floating above the Grand Canyon for 17 hours. You were at the Grand Canyon? We could have been using your help all this time. He could have used your help this whole time. That <laughs> was funny. That was real. I laughed really hard at that line. This is the guy I was telling you about. This is the wizard. This is the wizard. <laughs> I ugly laughed a lot during this movie. Oh my god. I I mean and they were so funny together. Like I liked watching them go down into rabbit holes together. Oh yeah. Wait, you got to fight aliens and in outer space? Dude, I want to fight an alien. Yeah, they get all distracted. They were hilarious and I like how Peter's 2 and 3 don't know how to work on a team. Like that was a fun moment 
just to call out. They're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing right now. Also, real quick, did you, and we'll talk more about web slinging later, but did you guys see when they flew in in that final battle and Tom thwipped at their two webs to lift them up to where he was so they all were on the same like come on this movie was so cool it was fucking perfect um i'm gonna tell you guys my two the two parts i laughed the hardest at the the aside from like the youth pasture joke because that shit was fucking hilarious yeah the number one part that i was literally i missed what they were talking about for the next like two minutes because i was like wiping tears away was when he's like Peter and all three of them are like what and he's like no that Peter no we're still Peter Peter Parker yeah that doesn't change anything that's still we're still Peter <laughs> <laughs> we're all Peter Parker <laughs> that shit just cracked I the thing that's really irritating me though about that scene is everyone is saying that that's the it's you Spider-Man meme scene but it's not that's dumb but they do do it later when they're uh, when they're having the conversation about working on a team like they all land together and they're like fucking up if there's a still of them all pointing at each other they do do it oh i know yeah i know it is that's what i was gonna say that's that is where it is but um the other part that i just fucking lost my mind at was when he's like i mean i know how to fight on a team i I don't want to like brag or anything but i will um i was on the avengers and toby is just like that's so great man who are the Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> are you in a band? That's the second time the Avengers have been referred to as a band, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they broke up like a band from from Infinity like War. Like the Beatles? Like the Beatles? Like a band? <laughs> yeah, we haven't caught up in a spell. <laughs> oh my god. I mean this it really was like I I basically was either actively laughing or crying in every moment of this movie. Lindsay, I wish I had gone to see this movie with you. Like, I, I wish that we had all been together for this movie because I would have been losing my shit. I was a mess. I was genuinely a mess. <laughs> but so let's talk about the Sinister Five. Um, Why? Why? Why is it five? Why couldn't they pull somebody out of their asses? They couldn't get Vulture. They didn't want it. That was too much to bring in one of Tom's or something. So I, I actually know. was kind of shocked that they didn't bring in Vulture. Or that he wasn't, like, talked about that much. Ned mentions him in the beginning of the movie when he's being interrogated by the DODC, but it didn't really strike me as a necessity to have a sixth villain. Especially because we knew right off the bat that Doc Ock was not going to stay a villain. Right. I get, Actually, that's a fair point. It was kind of the Sinister Four by the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I was grateful, though, that we talked about the potential in the primer for there to be like a Dr. Strange villain or Mysterio or someone bigger pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that that didn't happen because me too. something we haven't said directly, but I think certainly have been <laughs> hovering around this whole episode is that this movie is really was about Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I agree. Despite yeah. everything happening around him, it was so masterfully done. This was about him. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that there wasn't some greater big bad. This was his origin story. Yeah. The fact that they kept this around him. And here's another thing. And we'll kind of go down the line of like the villains and how they showed up and stuff. But the fact that Doc Ock was the one that knew the most about like the larger world and whatever. I think that speaks a lot to we knew he was a good guy down down in you know the depths of him. 
and his soul and stuff. He wasn't like he wasn't just like shut up. Where's my machine? I have to get back to my machine. Da 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 da. He just was like, yeah, he died. Like he actually told them the things they wanted to. You know, they were asking about. He wasn't. He felt to me like someone who was going to eventually end up helping them. And we got to see that too with the chip in the back of his head where he genuinely showed gratitude for how quiet is, is it was now. I think, I think another big part is Doc Ock seems to be the one that like figures out something is amiss. No, see, I can't say that because Electro does figure it out too because he says that the power in that universe feels different. Right? You, yeah. You know, Scott, I am something of a scientist myself. Oh my God, that was so fucking funny, <laughs> dude. I loved that shit. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Um, so we, can, we had basically kind of like alternating good guys in the villains roster. We had Sandman, who actually helped Spider-Man fight Electro. And honestly, eventually he was just like, fuck it. I don't care. Just, I, I want the thing and I'm going to do it for myself. But his was more, per, more um, selfish than the rest of the villains where they wanted to just stay alive and stay there. Sandman kind of just wanted to box so he could go home, so he could see his, his daughter. Because Sandman, he doesn't die. He, he even says, like, I don't die, but I'm fated to die fighting Spider-Man. Well, yeah. I, I have to disagree with you on this. And this is my literal, I'm not joking, this is my one complaint of the movie. Him switching sides when it's revealed that Norman is still Goblin doesn't make any sense. He has no reason to want to follow them. He said it multiple times. He has a daughter. He just wants to go home. Why? And then he just like, he switches sides out of fucking nowhere. It just, it felt weird to me. I think the reason for that is because um, he basically he was trying to pick the winning side, whoever was going to get there fastest. And he felt at that moment, five against one seems like pretty damn good odds. And mm. then, you know, if obviously they weren't aware of the other, the other Spider-Man who showed up, Spider-Man, um, including Doc, because eventually Doctor Strange does show up too. So I'm sure had he known that, he probably would have sided with the Spider-Man. But... I think he was just playing the odds at that point. Whoever's going to get him to the box fastest. But the other thing is the villains didn't want the button to be pushed. So he's also probably just trying to get there first. And he's just felt like the odds were in his favor. Well, and they didn't want to die. Right. Like they, I mean, yeah, like it was like, if you press the button, we die, which I get their motivation there. But I, I was kind of like with lizard too, kind of same thing. I'm like, they're just bad guys. They were always gonna be bad guys. More so lizard than Sandman. Lizard was just like waiting in the van to be a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, I like lizard. Don't get me wrong. It was, he was funny as hell when he was in the cages. I totally didn't know you could talk until just now. <laughs> Is that a dinosaur? But it's, it, it's when Tom says that, he says, I totally had no idea you could talk until now. It's kind of him once again in Tony's shadow because he says something very similar to Rocket Raccoon when he first meets him. Yeah, so I does. totally thought you were building there. So it's it's still like an homage. He's still everywhere he goes, which is still, I think, great. I didn't even think yeah. of that. That's actually really clever. I like that. Yeah, it is. Um, 
but yeah, that's my one complaint. It just, it felt super out of nowhere. I also didn't understand why if Doc Ock was now free of the, uh, tech controlling him, why did he run away? Why didn't he help Peter fight? I don't know. I, because Peter needed to be alone in that scene and I guess. lose Aunt May. Cause that's when he disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. He gets thrown out the window. So the story could happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, so a movie could get made. You're right, though, that he did kind of... But maybe he needed to think about what he wanted to do. I mean, the cops were all there. It looks like a fucking mess. Like, I get being like, I need to look out for me and figure out what my situation is and get out of here. And, like, maybe assuming that Spider-Man would have, too. I don't, I don't really know. He just sort of disappeared for a little while in this movie. You're right. Yeah, it was... It was just weird, but like I said, that's like my one complaint. Otherwise, I'm like totally happy. I thought Electro was cool. I loved him in this. He was very clearly the most powerful villain there. Yeah, I mean, and he's, his whole thing makes sense of like, well, I'm in this new world and everything's really different for me and my body's different and like I have a new, I can have a second chance and I'm super powerful. Well, yeah, as far as motivations go, his was the most clear cut. Yeah, his made sense. Definitely. Goblins is just Goblins a psychopath, and obviously he just wants to cause destruction and shit. So that one also explains itself. Clearly, Goblin and Electro were the leading men in this one, as far as villains go. Definitely. What didn't make sense, though, is that Electro didn't know who Spider-Man was. We talked about this, right? Yeah, he never finds out. Interesting that we had that as a thing that we called out in the primer. Right. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about how it would affect the logistics here, but I'm glad that we went through that with all the villains because I'm like, Electro didn't know. So how did he end up here? Does yeah. that not make sense? No, it, it doesn't. But he was still coming after Spider-Man. But it was like everyone who knew Peter Parker. How did he get there? Because he specifically in this movie didn't know who Peter Parker was. He's like, oh, I thought you were a black guy. He doesn't know. He doesn't know in in Amazing Spider-Man two either. Peter's mask doesn't come off until he's fighting Goblin. But wasn't it just that they they knew Spider-Man? No, they knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. That's why making making everyone forget about Peter Parker ever existing is what closed the gates because they weren't there for Peter Parker. There was no yeah. reason for them to be coming after him now. And what opened the gates was when Peter was like, just anyone who knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Yeah. That's who came through. That was the parameter. Which when he said that, I was like, oh, I get it now. Like said out loud in the theater um, of how it was going to work. But yeah, Electro should not have qualified. I think it's wild. I think it's a plot hole. It definitely is. There there is another plot hole um, at the end of the movie too. Um, Happy only knew Aunt May because that was Peter's aunt. I can answer this one. Oh, can you? Yeah. Okay, go for it. How did Happy know Aunt May, right? If not through Peter Parker. Um, there's no reason to think that Happy wouldn't have still have like funded whatever that fundraiser was at the start of No Way or Far From Home where they interact. They could have met that way. That if they were still like participating in the fundraiser, he brought the giant check. Remember, Peter doesn't have to be Peter to be like that. That still happened, right? Like they could all still remember that event and just remember it as like Spider Man came and sponsored our thing, right? 
and that like I and the Avengers yeah. paid for it. They could have met that way. That's how I think it works. Because all they need to do is meet. Doesn't Happy actually meet her at the end of um, uh, Homecoming? I think he meets her at the end of Homecoming, doesn't he? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, but through through Peter, he's only there because of Peter. But imagine like the way that Happy would remember it. Like, okay, the way this memory thing works, I have the perfect analogy, is it's lock and key, right? It's like all these things still happened and they just sort of blur out. Like they're like the magic is forcing them to not remember it. So it's not going to always make perfect sense. Like all of these events still happened. So Happy would still have, you know, worked with Spider-Man and he'd remember all of these events of having worked just with Spider-Man. He just doesn't know who he is. It's like a weird fuzzy memory for them. That's how I picture it. Just like in Lock and Key when adults experience magic and then they forget a few minutes later. No, and I get, I totally get that. Um, and that I'm fine with that because that's actually based on a Fantastic Four comic where the same thing happens and there's just a like magical blind spot where, like, because if so, if we're operating on the same assumption, whether Peter is forgotten or not, the footage that Mysterio creates saying Peter Parker is Spider Man still exists. Yeah, and I think if people watched it, it would be like Dolores in in Westworld. It'd be like, it doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, they would watch it and be like, who the fuck is Peter Parker? Or they would just like, it, it would be like magically fuzzy to them. They would just immediately forget what they just saw. Exactly. So my assumption was that, because even Dr. Strange says that he's brainwashing the planet and everybody in existence. Mm -hmm. So my assumption is that every time... They would say it's Spider or Peter Parker, it's Spider-Man. So when Captain Marvel met him on the battlefield, instead of saying, hey there, Peter Parker, you have something for me? She would have said, hey there, Spider-Man. And so when it comes to the video footage, my assumption is that instead of saying Peter Parker or Spider-Man, it would have been something else in relation to Spider-Man. It was Spider-Man that did it. Yeah, it would have just changed the subject. That is my assumption how it goes. Everything that had to do with Peter Parker is basically just being replaced with Spider with with Spiderman. Or like you could read Flash's book probably. And it just would not make sense. Yeah, it would just leave your brain a second later. It probably the magic would prevent you even from really reading it or caring about it or like being interested in it enough to pick it up. Like like the anti like muggle charms. Just you just True. you're not even interested True. enough to walk into that side of the forest. Like it's not even you're not gonna open the book up. Like no one's ever gonna give a shit about the book again, including Flash. Damn, that sucks for Flash. Just gobbledygook. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you can't even read it. Or the book is gone. No, because that that's affecting the physical world. It it can't work like that. No, I think it's just you wouldn't you wouldn't pick it up. It would be like Dolores. It doesn't look like anything to me. And just be like, what? You, it... mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many examples of this. I think he would just glaze right past it. He would never even open it up. But I also think it's just we're, we're looking way too hard at it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think it's valid questions. I think that, uh, but I, I think it's like, the point is, as far as it goes with like Happy and Aunt May, the events of what happened have not changed. So they still met the exact same way 
It's just that they remember it differently. Like nothing about what happened has changed. So it, it's just mm-hmm. how the characters recall it. So it makes total sense that they would still have been together because they were together. Nothing about the spell can change the past. It only affects their memories of it. Yeah. So everything still happened. We're forgetting the true victim in this movie. And it's poor, poor, sweet, happy. His heart was destroyed. Totally. Dude, it was. And then she immediately five minutes later was killed. yeah that was it's like tony 2.0 well and just that he doesn't remember peter at the end you know which funeral alert by the way it was i definitely count this as a funeral alert yeah i which that sucks that's the first funeral for tom holland spider-man but again this is no he hasn't had any funerals he went to tony's funeral at the end of endgame in yeah. one of his own movies, though. Like, in a Spider-Man oh, movie. well, yeah. Okay, yes, okay, he went to yeah. Tony's funeral. But, like, in a Spider-Man movie. Because remember, we did the count where everything except yeah. for yeah. Spider-Man 2 has a funeral. Mm-hmm. And right. then none of the Tom Holland ones. But, like, this is his origin story, so he gets a funeral. What a long origin story. For real. <laughs> Six movies. For a character that we all said we didn't want his origin story. Like... Fuck yeah, we did. I wanted the last four movies of this. <laughs> so good. And and speaking of so good, and to take us back to close these guys out, the real standout of the rogues gallery is the Green Goblin. Yes? Yep. Oh, Absolutely. he was super powered beyond all fucking belief. So good. And they they definitely showcased in this universe that this soldier or the goblin serum he took genuinely did make him insanely strong. Yeah. Oh, totally, because Peter was wailing on him. Dude, the modified Spinebreaker wrestling move that he threw on him in the apartment building, I was like, oh, fuck, that looks like it hurts. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about you, Matt, actually, because you were, like, I was skeptical when we recorded the primer and you were like, this Peter would, like, kick all these guys' asses. I was like, would he, is he that, that experienced yet? And I was watching this and I was like, oh my God, Matt had that right. Like this, this Peter does not fuck around. (laughs) Yeah. Cause although Ock took him, Ock and Green Goblin took him to task when he came back exactly like Batman would enough preparation, Batman can beat anyone. He came back and he's like, uh, you don't want this smoke, bro. And he came and fucked everybody up. Dude. How about when you paired Doc Ock's? Arms. Oh my god, that was so <laughs> that funny! Was so funny. I died laughing. I was like, "Oh, welcome to the 21st century, bitch!" Like, exactly. It made so much sense because Doc Ock wasn't around for that kind of normal tech, no. <laughs> like that stuff we use. I'm using as we speak. Now pairing new device, and he's just totally disabled. I'm like, "Oh shit, dude!" He has to have Aunt May raise him up to put the chip in the back of his head. I thought that shit was so funny. Oh my god, I know. Like I, <laughs> I was actually like, oh shit, did he actually kill him? Because I was thinking back, like, Doc Ock actually isn't in any of the promotional materials for the Afterward, final fight. The fight. So yeah. I was right. like, legit, like, oh shit, did he actually kill him? <laughs> yeah, oh I, God. I think around that point is when I was like, I don't think the villains are going to die at all. I don't think any of them are going to die. I think they're all just going to get sent back. But here's the thing, yeah, they don't need to die now. So right. it creates a whole nother, whole nother, you know, universe. And a whole other hum- homecoming. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I hate you. I mean, what did you guys <laughs> think of, like, 
I mean, I want to talk about the final fight with the Green Goblin, but also just like Aunt May and ultimately Peter's like this whole plan of like not just sending them back so, to like trust that the that other Spider-Man would fucking deal with this. I can't believe they didn't press the button on the box. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's that to me. I think that was Peter wanting to do the good thing or like do the right thing. But at the end, he was like, this is not my fight. This isn't my problem. And I think mm-hmm. I think it ultimately showed that he is still just a kid. Well, it's why he needed the great power, great responsibility yeah. speech, right? Like, it's, oh, God. Yeah, it, it is what makes all of this so tragic and so his mm-hmm. fault is that he really should have just pressed the button. Yeah. And let, I mean, the TVA would agree, right? Let shit play I out. Think they do. Yep. Like, yeah, he definitely was fucking with things. The best part about this is they would have, but they can't now. Right. Yeah, this would not have happened were the TVA still in play. Thanks, Loki. Way to fuck up the larger universe again. Are you kidding me? Thanks, Loki. Thanks for giving me the best MCU movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, And speaking of best MCU movie, I I am so... I love looking for Easter eggs in in these movies and I need to go over a couple because I want to know, number one, I want to know if Matt caught any of these. Um, the biggest one that stood out to me was the showcasing of multiple beings in the rifts. I saw Rhino. I saw Craven. You see Rhino and Craven standing together. But here's the other weird thing is I did kind of read up on it a little bit. And there are people out there that think, so the first time that we see the rifts opening is when they're cast, when he's first casting the spell and it looks, it's very clearly to me, it's lizard, but there are, for some reason, there are people that think that that's scorpion. Why would it be scorpion? Scorpion is in the MCU. He's in the MCU. But there will be multiple scorpions. I mean, it could be like Bizarro Scorpion. It could be animated universe scorpion. Yeah. But that's the thing. I don't. It doesn't look like scorpion at all. It's very clearly lizard. I have to take another look. Well, once we get good stills, Daryl will be able to pick out every single one of them. Right? Yeah. Or people go see it enough times. I think also Black Cat was in there somewhere. So that was the other thing I was going to say. It definitely looks like she's in there somewhere. But in the in the same vein of like random Spider-Man villains showing up. Lindsay, I don't know if you know this, but you have played the Spider-Man game, so this you may. Yeah. The the charity or whatever it oh, is. Oh, I the, know this. Yes, but okay. go on. But yes, I'm I'm Feast. well Feast. well informed about Feast. I actually didn't put that together until she died. And I saw Feast on the bag. Oh, I spotted it immediately. It was on the truck, I think. And it was, and I just didn't put it together. Yeah, it's it's on the truck, like the it's where they go to meet up with Aunt May in the very beginning. Like they go into the feast building. It's where yeah. he runs through in the black suit, but how dope was it that the black suit turned out just to be his suit but turned inside out because it got paint? That shit cracked me up that he, no matter what he does, he can't get it clean. And then Aunt May has it for like 10 minutes and it's totally good. I know. Oh my God. I can't believe she's dead. It's so sad. He's all by himself sewing his suit in New York. You guys, it's fucking tragic. I'm going to start crying again. It's so good. 
But yeah, that one really stood out to me as a possibility for the next villain to be Mr. Negative because it would it would allow Peter to explore a more one-on-one villain. It would just be him taking on Feast and Mr. Negative. It wouldn't be him and Ned trying to figure out who this guy is and then trying to stop Zendaya from getting kidnapped and all this shit. You know, when you put it that way, yes, and can you imagine a Spider-Man movie where most of the movie isn't Spider-Man being consumed by trying to protect the people he loves? Yeah, it's him actually doing shit. Like, just taking risks and being Spider-Man. Like, I, yep. this is what we get for... Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sony and, and Disney. Thank you for working your shit out. I was like, this is going to be so cool that we... Because all these things, these spider trilogies... Or, you know, two movies, whatever you call that. Sequilogies. Just, we don't, if we just, we never get past the first hump. Like, we're finally going to, like, get past the first story arc and take it to the next level with Mm -hmm. with Tom Holland. And that is an absolute godsend. Like, I, oh my god. And let me state this for the record. We better, in Spectacular Spider-Man, get some motherfucking web swinging in New York, man. Because how cool was it in the Spectacular suit in the end? And every, okay, every scene looked great. I'm not saying this wasn't the coolest thing that I've ever seen. Like, it was. But it's just still keeping him out of the city. So that's the thing. He is he is knee deep in the city now. That's why I think that the villain will be Kingpin. And he'll partner up with... Uh, Daredevil, because he'll have to go into Hell's Kitchen. He'll have to stay around the skyscraper area. And so I I think we'll get a lot more swinging from Spectacular. And they fucking better call it that. Like, that makes perfect sense. They'd be dumb not to. I'm emotionally connected to that title now. Yeah, me too. I I feel really, really fucking strongly about that. I'm gonna... I'm gonna... Yeah. I'm gonna be upset if that's not what happens. Yep. (laughs) Sweet Kevin Feige. Um... (laughs) Other sort of stray thoughts here before we talk about post-credit stuff, which I know we we don't have a ton of like specific notes on, but I think we'll take a beat to talk about them. Just for the record, um, Wong MVP of Phase Four. Oh, he totally is. Oh, he's yeah. fucking everywhere, dude. He's a sorcerer supreme. Come on, guys. He is. I love that they just threw that in too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and it makes sense. And people have been and asking they, that question. They read on the technicality shit out of the trailers. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, that, that entire scene is different. I loved that. Well, I like that we got a like a lot of time in the dungeon, right, where Abomination was being kept. It's like, okay, yep. so this is where or he the was. He's not here of now. A wizard's castle. <laughs> it's a fucking washroom. Um, I'm gonna throw something super controversial out. Oh God, I think Wong's gonna die in Madness of the Multiverse. I think so too. Maybe he showed. He's very clearly in the room with. Strange when Dark Strange comes in from that that trailer with his super long goatee. Super long goatee. Um, Should we talk about that post credit now and then back up to to my number one most exciting moment of the movie? Yeah. You when Venom comes and punches Lizard in the face? No, No, he doesn't. Damn it! I was hoping (laughs) you've forgotten. Are you high? I'm not gonna remember, or I'm not gonna forget anything about this movie. Uh, dude seriously just thinking about it and watching the three of them land on top of the oh the my god that was so good dude i 
stupid. And they're all in their their uh and then when they're like they're swinging around and they're all in the moonlight silhouette and whatever. I was like, god. What I loved about the pose is that they're in their their, their signature poses. poses. Yeah, their yeah. signature yeah. pose, which was they so looked good. so awesome. Like it <sighs> And then him swinging in the spectacular suit in the snow. Like yeah, that, that reminded cool. me of the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2, right? Where it's like, no, mm-hmm. and you know what? I'm still fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Oh, it was so good, you guys. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so the second of the two post-credit scenes, Doctor Strange's trailer for Madness in the Multiverse. You I have to start correcting you. The multiverse. It is, it's of multiverse madness. of madness. That's right. I don't know why I keep doing that. It's multiverse of madness. Um I am so excited for this because we are going to get the payoff of everything that was led up to with Wanda in WandaVision. Yeah. And that's that truly is all I really care about. I love Nightmare as a villain. I think he's awesome. The problem is once you know how his powers work, he's fucking useless. Um but the fact that Mordo is in the trailer so much means that Mordo is likely going to be one of the big villains. And I'm really hoping that we get to see a full suit Dormammu. Because the way he looks in the first Doctor Strange movie is not the way he actually looks. He looks like Ghost Rider on steroids. I am sorry for any comic book differences that suck, but I hope we don't get Dormammu again. I'm like, or we could not rehash that villain. I feel like we have to because this takes place across multiple universes. He's fucked with universes now. So my question is that I thought I'm like, I was fairly certain that Kaecilius was also in the trailer for like half a second. Like he, he was is. falling, right? Yep. Yep. So then in that case, Dormammu must be in it. If Kaecilius is around. If Kaecilius is back, then in some capacity, Dormammu has to be in this. Yeah. Cause he sent him back to Dormammu to be punished. I liked how when he goes up to Wanda in the trailer, he Doctor Strange says, this isn't about Westview. Oh, yeah, this isn't about Westview, which means he knows about it. Well, obviously he knows about it, right? But I think that that's a nice explainer. Like the whole way through WandaVision, we were like, why isn't Doctor Strange here to like lock this shit up? So first of all, now we know he's not Sorcerer Supreme, so maybe it's not his job to do that. And also, I like that that's not what he's there about. Like, it's that subverts, I think, what all of us would have expected coming out of WandaVision, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So now I'm like, well, so why are we here? Like, holy shit, then tell me, do tell me more. <laughs> he needs, it's going to be, he needs Wanda's power to undo the cracking of the universes. That's what it's going to be about. All while trying to defend Kamartaj from. Mordo. Yeah, that makes sense. But to move us back on, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I didn't realize until like a while after I walked out of the theater that Tom Hardy's Venom got portaled in with everybody else because through the hive mind, he knew Peter Parker. I didn't connect that as being like part of the same phenomenon until like hours later. And then I was like, oh, that's what happened. They got brought in, but they just were like getting drunk in Mexico. (laughs) Right. So that actually creates a problem because Spider-Man does Spider-Man doesn't exist in Venom's universe. 
Yeah, but Venom has the hive mind of a million multiverses or whatever the fuck. No, of a million of the universe. Of his exist of his established universe. I mean, yeah, maybe not. Because we questioned that in our Venom review. So maybe yeah. not. Maybe this is the answer. And the answer is no, it is a multiversal mind. Because we, we talked about that. Maybe we were wrong. That's that's fair. I would I would be okay with that. I don't know why he's not portaled to New York, but I guess because all those other guys were already in New York. They too. were already in New York. That's why. Yeah. They, that actually makes sense. He was hiding in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. They all went where they were. I kind of forgot. Yeah. No, all of them were in New York. The most amazing part is that a piece remains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so did Sony and Marvel just say like, okay, listen, let's just straight up share this. Like you guys are in a different universe and we've established that. So it doesn't matter if there's two Venoms, will you leave a little bit behind? Like, is that whole two post credits just contrived to allow Venom to be in both universes? Yes. I just figured it out. It's not going to be Eddie. It's going to be Matt Gargan. I mean, who? Matt Gargan's going to become Venom. And that's how they're going to start the Dark Avengers. You're t- honey, you're talking so far over me and everyone else's head. Well, he's the guy that Peter busted up the, the weapons sale. Okay, and he's in the post-credit with Vulture from Homecoming. Okay, and you said that he does become Venom in the comics. In the comics, he becomes okay. Venom. He works okay. for Norman Osborn as a Dark Avenger pretending to be Spider-Man. I think that's what they're going to do. I would like to see... Um, Tom Holland have the symbiote. He will. That's probably what they're going to do is Tom is going to bond with the symbiote. He's going to realize that like, he doesn't want to live with the symbiote and the symbiote is going to find Mac, but it's going to, it's going to know Peter's like secrets and shit, or it will just find Matt Gargan because we already know that that piece of venom knows about like that Spider-Man. So he'll be like, he, he liked Spider-Man's outfit. So what he totally could do is just be like, we're going to jump onto Matt Gargan and we're going to make ourselves look like Spider-Man. We want to be like him. And that's why we'll, that's how we'll get. Um, Cause if you pay attention in the two Venom movies, he has white veins all over his body, but they don't form the spider. That's how we'll get the spider in this is he'll want to be like Spider-Man. Which would also help differentiate the two Venoms. Yep. The other possibility, um, because while I think having two Venoms would be dope, the other possibility is that it follows kind of the same rules of like, take, again, just no comics. But for somebody Mm -hmm. like me who's just seen the Sony movies, those movies tell me that the rules are, if that symbiote, combines with somebody new that could be like a new symbiote like carnage came from eddie's blood or is that like straight venom because it's a little bit it's not eddie's blood it's like a little bit of the symbiote but i'm like couldn't this be like a new symbiote Symbiote? character so it technically could and the only reason that i don't think that's the route that we're gonna go is because the cop at the end of let there be carnage is the cop that becomes toxin who is that symbiote is the offspring of Carnage. This is an actual piece of Venom that got left behind. Versus like that, blood of the... Ver, yeah, versus like the, the blood one. and him mixing with, with Cletus and forming a new symbiote. 
And how did the cop get it? How did the cop catch it? That's the problem. The movie doesn't set that up at all. Oh, fuck. Okay. He just, his eyes are glowing at the end of the movie and that's it. Oh, that's right. I remember that. But so very cool though, that we could have any form of symbiote in the MCU and, and Mm -hmm. very much like Thanos that could hang there for like seven years. Like we might not, you know, that could be a while. That could be a while. And the other cool thing about this is Tom knows that that is a thing now because Toby told him he fought an alien goo. Yeah. So now Toby could, or Tom Holland could be like, Oh, what the fuck? I remember this. He doesn't have all that much information, though. No, he just knows it was an al- a black alien goo. Yeah, I don't know how that helps him. It doesn't. He's just like, holy shit, this is what he was talking about. Yeah, he might connect the dots. I don't know that it helps him like be prepared for the threat. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just saying he could be like, what the fuck? I remember hearing about this or whatever. The other thing that's crazy about this movie, too, is he now gets to like just make mention of other Spider-Men going forward. I know. Yeah, right. It's just, it's all burst open now. It's just, yeah. and and so here's what I have to say about that. The bursting open of the multiverse. And I'm going to keep this brief, but I want to, um, God. I want to make it clear that I am upset. Yep. I knew that we were getting here. We have to. Uh, so as dope as this movie was, and as much as I love it, and it may be my favorite MCU movie and all the good things about it. Marvel, you're going to bring back Toby fucking Maguire and you bullshitted me on Quicksilver? I'm sorry. Like, if we're bringing people over from Sony movies, I... This is not the... No. I... <laughs> the fuck. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to take us to my last question before <laughs> we talk about ratings because now I'm just... Now she's upset. Now I'm upset. Here's what I want to know, even though I think I know the right answer. I still think it's like a fun question to ask. Um, Ned... Hobgoblin or Sorcerer Supreme? No, he won't. He won't be important at all. I want him to become Hobgoblin, but I'm gonna have to agree with Scott. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see him again. I, I just, I think Doctor Strange acknowledged him enough, but I mean, it's not like they're out recruiting. You know, they're not like yeah, they're not like looking for people. Yeah, so if he showed up, then Strange would probably like yeah, let's let's give this let's give this weirdo a shot which is probably going to be bald now going forward um i just i just don't i don't think if we see ned it's going to be in a much more limited capacity i think yeah. that actor is ready for new things because he's he's on a tv show i think now is he i, know I think so i think that if we see him again because i agree i think that spectacular spider-man is better without him or zendaya right i think mm-hmm. move on hopefully Gwen Stacy, but just because I really like her. Spider Gwen. Um, but that's my ideal state. But if we keep Ned in this, then I think Hobgoblin makes sense because then he's not Peter's best friend, as far as he knows. And he does have magic powers, as far as we know. And who knows what fucking trail might lead him down to being the hobgoblin right with and he doesn't know peter he doesn't know any avengers he could turn into a bad guy and be this like really compelling bad guy for peter who can't like tell him the truth or is faced with maybe having to do that i would prefer him to just move on but if ned comes back i hope it's like that so you're hoping that he becomes a villain not comes as some sort of alternate hero but he does become a villain and kind of fulfills the foreshadowing. Interesting. 
Yeah, do it on his own terms outside of Peter. And then Peter's like, son of a bitch, the hobgoblin is Ned? Like, what the fuck? Like, th- I, I think that would be interesting. I don't think he'll become hobgob- or hobgoblin. I think they would make him the MCU version of Alistair Smythe, who worked for Kingpin and created robots called Spider Hunters. He he was he's actually in the Amazing Spider Man. He's played by B J Novak, um, the guy who plays Ryan on The Office. Oh, okay. Um, I think that that makes more sense. I think he would like he would work for MIT, and then at the end he would be like this brilliant engineer, and then either the DODC or the Department of Justice or Fisk, under a government agency would come to him and say, we need your help to bring down Spider-Man. And he would become that version. He would become the MCU's version of Alistair Smythe. That could make sense. Yeah. I think, I don't think he'll become the Hobgoblin. That just does not make sense for him. Any kind of villain anyway, though. Like that they, cause they really set that up and, and always Peter's best friend is some form of goblin. Right. So I could see them like combining things. Like they can, they could call him that and have him do this Smythe person's stuff, right? Call it Hobgoblin. I, I still have to stand by what I said the first time. I, I don't think we're going to see him again. I agree. I think that's ideal state for me too, is we don't yeah. see any of them again. And it's just spectacular Spider-Man. Like I want to see a Spider-Man movie where he doesn't have friends and family, like where he is more of like a Batman type character. All right. I am taking us back around. Um, I think we're kind of ready to move into ratings here. I agree. I'm turning this up to 11. I think I am too. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give this another turning up to 11. The last one I used was empire strikes back. So yeah, I think, I think I'm okay in doing a turning up to 11 here. That's the only 11 that we've had so far before this is empire, but is yeah, empire, yeah, I'm turning this up to 11. There was nothing I didn't love about this movie. This movie was perfect from start to finish. Uh, It was. I could not have asked. Everything I wanted to see happen, happened. I knew Matt Murdock was going to be in it. I knew both of the other Spider-Men were going to be in it. I knew we were going to get some epic as fuck fight scenes. It just, the, dude, it was, it was awesome. Michael Giacchino's masterpiece of a score fucking slayed it yeah i can't wait to watch this again just to listen more carefully to the music yeah. the two best parts are when he's beating the shit out of goblin in the shield right towards the end listen listen really carefully to the music there and then listen to the music when goblin throws the pumpkin bomb that moment was insane just like with toby stopping him from like he was clearly about to murder goblin yep and he was just the support of the other spiders and their group hug at the end. I mean, this movie was fucking perfect. <laughs> You're in a lot of pain right now, aren't you? Oh yeah. Tons. It was, that was so <laughs> funny. Like they, they balanced the humor and the emotion in this, like nothing I've ever seen. Like I have never laughed yeah. that much in a theater. I've never cried that much in a theater. Honest to God. Yep. I'll be surprised if this is not up for a multitude of Oscars. I could see it. I mean, cause it was, it was yeah. genuinely good. Like Tom Holland should be nominated and I know that he won't be, but 
No, he won't. But he will be. So here's the ones that I actually do care about as far as award shows go. The MTV Movie and Music Awards, because it's voted on by the people. Right. So the teenagers anyway. I mean, yeah. which people? But yeah, humans. Well, yeah. Most of the populace. Dude, that movie, this movie will sweep whatever award it's in. Whatever category it's in. I don't think I don't. The only thing I could really see this getting like a, an Oscar nod for is like visual effects or sound editing. Costume design. Costume design would be cool. Dude, how cool was Goblin's costume with the like purple hoodie? <laughs> I like how we, the low whistle he gave when the when it came out. When the yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was. I mean, dude, Willem Dafoe looks so amazingly unhinged in that movie. It was. He so it was good. so good. So, and to his point in an interview, he said this kind of brings everything to a nice like closure for all the characters. For all of them, yeah. Max isn't Electro mm-hmm. anymore. Doc Ock is redeemed. Sandman isn't Sandman anymore. Which, okay, that's another thing that almost kind of pissed me off. Um, but I'm glad that they they didn't. He has the power to look normal. But for some reason, the entire movie until the end, he's just walking sand. I'm not positive they had the actor. They did. Yeah, that's he's... what I was going to say. I mean, I know he's in the end, but... It's possible. That I they, wasn't positive that didn't. wasn't reused from Spider-Man 3. So it is. It's actually the scene where he first realizes he has sand powers in reverse. Yeah, I don't think they had the actor for this. He is, though. He, well, maybe he wasn't on visual, but he that was Thomas Hayden Church. He had to voice all of the stuff. Was it Same actually with, him? Yes, it is. Same with Reese Iphens, the guy who does the voice of uh, Lizard. But he was clearly... Mm-hmm. He was clearly there, yeah. I don't know then. I have no idea, but you know, at the end of the day, I I was sort of like, I don't need those two. Sandman and Lizard yeah. were like the weakest villains, but I'm like, that's fine. I don't need all five of them to have this great arc, but I felt like Electro was really good. I felt like Doc Ock was obviously really good, and Goblin was incredible. Goblin slayed it, no pun intended. Yeah, and it makes sense for, even though there's no Oscorp in this universe, for Peter to have this, like, really big origin story moment with a, a green goblin. I was here for all of it. Uh, well, IMDb, IMDb does uh, cite as Thomas Hayden Church as cast in the movie. So maybe he just did ADR and they, yeah. like, deep faked him or something. They might have just done voice. Because I mean, because the here's the thing is that Thomas Hayden Church, even in, um, what do you call it, Spider Man Three, he already looked pretty fucking old. And I'm looking yeah. at recent pictures of him, and he's is, he's up there. Yeah, he's he's already pretty old. Yo, the de aging on Alfred Molina though. Oh, that was that? perfect. Flawless. It looks so good. Everything. That's what I'm saying, dude. Everything about this movie was was top drawer. Top drawer. Top drawer. Kelso had nary a notion of your songbird ways. God damn it, Matt. <laughs> Matt, what do you rate this? Um, I was trying to be difficult and try and find a reason to not give it up, turn it up to 11, but I have to turn it up to 11 as well. Fuck yeah. We got it a fucking 33. We did it, team. We got a 33. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. Because everybody's giving the villains an eleven as well, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
I think something to keep in mind with the villain villain ratings and and a backup backing up our decision to give them the perfect 33 as well. Scott and I have already determined a rule where if you have a rogues gallery, you automatically get an extra point. So even if these guys are only a 10 out of 10, the fact that they're a rogues gallery turns them up to 11. Does it not? Is that not our rule? No, it is. Absolutely. That's why I love the flash. That's why Batman's got great stuff. It just, it, Pinocchio, man. Oh my God, Pinocchio. And then who else had the rogues gallery? There was someone who who was it that we made that rule up with? Oh shit! It was um after Pinocchio, way after. Was it was it Bambi? No, dude. (laughs) What? Oh no no no! I know what it was. It was Sword in the Stone. Because he he fights something in every version of or every mini story that he has to go on. Was it that? I don't, I don't think remember. it I'm was. Gonna have to go back and look we at have that. to go back to the timeline. I don't remember it. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I think we turned this whole thing up to 11. Perfect 33s across the board. This this was fucking awesome. The last question I have for you guys, is it better than Endgame? Where are you putting it in the MCU? Oh, okay, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, is literally seeing them standing next to each other was awesome, but it does not in any way compare to hearing Captain America after 10 years finally yell Avengers Assemble. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to need to see it in IMAX. As of right now... Ooh, dude, I, I will drive I over know. there on a weekend and see it with you in IMAX. Yes. Um, I feel like Andrew Garfield in that clip where he is dressed up as a poorly dressed Spider-Man, he gets the tip from the kid. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's like, yes! Um... I'm gonna have to agree with Scott solely on the. F- Unfortunately, it hurts me. I know. So bad. Um, only strictly <laughs> because, although there was a lot leading up to this, this the this conclusion, there was a hell of a lot more leading up to Endgame. The stakes were yeah. much higher, and um, a it was awesome to see Avengers Assemble. It was also a awesome to see Cap finally pick up the hammer, which I knew was going to happen. Yeah. But the most impactful moment in that whole movie was three words on your left. Yeah, yeah with the portals opening. You know, I have to I have to agree. I think that I need to see it again before I can decide. Like, I don't know that I can really place it above Endgame yet without seeing yeah. it more than once. But what I am sure of is that this movie can't stand up to that that moment. Because you'll notice everything that we said about Endgame that makes it the best happens within in one scene, basically. Yeah. Right. So it nothing in this movie can stand up to that part of Endgame. Nothing ever will be able to stand up to that part of Endgame because it has 10 years leading up to it. And it's all happening in this one scene right so it's like there can never be anything more epic than that if there is fucking you know i'll see you on the other side of life you know i'm like i'll die in the theater but the other thing that i know for sure is that no other mcu movie has ever made me laugh or cry the way that this one did and i like this stuff better than the bulk of what's in endgame so i might end up enjoying this more 
at the end of the day. Nothing will ever stand up to that one scene, but this might be a better movie. I honestly think I am going to have to see it again. I, I will say this as someone who is a, a lover of all things Batman. I would rate this above the dark Knight. I had that question earlier today. I was talking to someone and I was like trying to figure out where it was in comparison to Dark Knight. And I said, I think it's better. You know what's wild, though, is that we're comparing this to Endgame at all. Like, that's pretty fucking crazy. And then truly the last question, because I made such a big deal about it last time. Did you guys like this better than Spider-Verse? Oh, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. No shadow shadow of a doubt in my mind. I think I need to see it more than once, but I also, I think that, I think that, yeah, but I think that nothing can ever stand up to me to the, um, what's up danger scene of that movie. Oh God. I love that scene. I watch that all the time. Yeah. So I, I think that that's where I'm going to fall on this is that I think that no way home is a better movie than Endgame or spider verse, but that it can't stand up to the what's up danger scene of Spider-Verse and the Avengers Assemble scene of Endgame. That yep. there's moments in those movies that are so powerful that nothing can touch them. As someone who thinks that Spider-Verse was just an okay movie, this was definitely better. You and I do not hold on. No, 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 no. I think I think that is a really good time to start some shit. It is because we already did this. So, you know, to see that argument, listeners, please do check out the Spider Man primer where we have it out over Spider Verse. But you know what? I think this has been long as hell. It's time to take us out of here. Um, I will go ahead and do that. So thank you. You guys can check out our um, a very timeline Christmas, our special Christmas episode where we're comparing four different versions of a Christmas Carol is out now. So you guys can check that out to get into the holiday spirit this week and then stay tuned for the wheel of time finale. That'll be coming up. Mm. I'm so sad and so excited. I know we have to just figure out when we're going to do it because it's, yeah. it's Christmas. So We'll sort that out. And then we will be back for season two of the podcast with a Hawkeye review, the Dalmatians extravaganza. We'll be doing some form of coverage of the book of Boba Fett. The Witcher is out. So while we will be returning to the timeline, there's still a lot of new stuff coming and get ready for season two of the pod. And thank you guys so much for sticking with us and, and especially to the Wheel of Time community right now. Yeah. For being out there Absolutely. with us. Thank yes. you for being so nice to me and not jumping down our throats about or jumping down my throat about how I'm fucking wrong about everything. And you're not wrong about everything. That's a beautiful thing. Come come yeah. come th- come Thursday. We're gonna have all the answers that we need I to get us ready so. for season two. <laughs> I so you know, thank you guys all for all of that. Oh, and look out for Dark Friend Social this week that I forgot mm-hmm. to mention. Dark Friend Social will be back for episode seven, um, probably tomorrow. God help me. It's like <laughs> this week is gonna be so busy. Um, but thank you guys for all the support. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you leave us a like. Um, you can get us at Instagram at go behind the timeline at Twitter at behind timeline at Gmail at go behind the timeline. 
and the links to the website and the Reddit will be in the episode description along with all the socials. But do make sure you subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. And Matt, thanks for being here to argue with me tonight. (laughs) And also to be stoked about this awesome movie. (laughs) It's always awesome having you here. Appreciate it, guys. Um, But yeah, so we'll see you guys for Dark Friend Social, like probably, probably really soon after this drops. It's, It's busy times, but I hope everyone's having a good holiday. We'll see you super soon. And until then, stay nerdy. See you guys.